week I mentioned um, how God has been bringing us opportunities. And um, this week I've got two more to tell you about. In the, uh, in the pews where you're sitting, there will be some cards for the parenting and adulthood uh, seminar. It's also called the Scream Free Seminar with Hal Runkle. And uh, Hal's written three books. And this seminar is going to, we're going to have it here next Sunday. So at 9.30, we're asking all of the uh, adult classes, and actually our, our teens in college can all come in here, and how we'll begin the first of three sessions on the screen-free principles. And um, I'm not going to try to explain it to you right now other than to say that it's for everybody. Everybody can get some good about it. It's, it's out of it. It's, it's about emotional maturity. Just come to this and see what you think, okay? Many of you are going to be here at 9.30 anyway. Come and see. And then if you like that, stick around. Come back for the 1 p.m. seminar and the 6 p.m. seminar. But I want you to take those cards that you've got right next to you. And I want you to ask God to let you know if there's someone that you know about who might benefit from this. And I'm not asking you to do this. I'm asking you to ask God to show you who you need to share that card with, okay? And I believe, I believe that God who gives us opportunities and is involved in, in what's going on in this world can do something as simple as show us who to share an invitation with, okay? So that's next week. Be praying about this event. I think it'll be good for so many of us and so many others that we know. And, uh, and I want you to be the, um, the word of mouth, the friend that tells someone, hey, why don't you come to this with me and we'll We'll learn what it's about altogether. There's another opportunity then six days later. On Saturday, April 28th, um, the First Choice Pregnancy Medical Center here in town is sponsoring the Walk for Life. It's a fundraiser for their work. Over the years, uh, West Ark has been involved in various ministries uh, that, and, that have to do with keeping and preserving the life of the unborn. That we believe that life is precious. We believe that life matters because all life comes from God. And we want to see uh, life preserved. We also want to see people healed. We want to see people encouraged and to know that they have options. Uh, This isn't a political thing for us. This is a biblical thing. This is a spiritual thing. It is about life. And, um, and over the years, we've been involved in different ways, not even in an official way, but by simply being the salt and light that Jesus calls us to be in our community. Um, two of our uh, members, Dwan Cogswell, Christy Heslin, I'm going to ask you ladies to stand up right now. People need to see who you are. There they are. That's Dwan. That's Christy. They are the ones you can talk to for more information. Thank you. They're the ones who can tell you more about this. And because of their friendships, they've organized this. And I think there's going to be an opportunity for us to share the gospel with people. I'm going to show you a video that First Choice has made. And I want you to notice two things. First of all, when they say that they're two blocks from the UA Fort Smith campus, that translates to three blocks from us. Secondly, there's an opportunity in this for men as well, and I want you to hear that. And again, I'm not asking you to be involved in this ministry. I'm asking you to ask God if this is something that, that you should do. Not just something you want to do, but is this something you could do? So I learned a lot from this video, and I hope you will too. 
First Choice Pregnancy Medical Center is a life-affirming nonprofit organization located on Grand Avenue, just two blocks from the University of Arkansas Fort Smith campus. Founded in 1990, our mission is to reach women and families facing unplanned pregnancies in order to save both physical and eternal lives. We treat every person who enters the center as a divine appointment, greeting them with love and compassion in a serene, caring atmosphere. We continue to expand our services and now offer free limited OB ultrasounds to determine if there's a viable pregnancy. First Choice Pregnancy Medical Center operates under our medical director, Dr. Tommy Wood. Dr. Wood is a local OBGYN who views every ultrasound image, and it's amazing to witness ladies and their families who see a life growing inside of them for the first time. 78% of women who are at risk for abortion choose life when offered the opportunity to view their baby's ultrasound in a supportive pregnancy center environment. Loving and compassionate staff meet with patients after the ultrasound to bring hope, offer guidance, and determine how we can continue to meet the needs of the family throughout the pregnancy. While pregnancy-related services are usually what bring people in, they deserve the opportunity to not only witness the life growing inside of them, but to also know the hope of eternal life through our Savior, Jesus Christ. We understand that excellent patient care goes beyond meeting physical needs and ultimately addresses heart issues and impacts each person eternally. Clients who choose to enroll in our Parent Training Academy learn important life skills while also bonding with other expectant parents. They have the opportunity to earn parent bucks used in our baby boutique to buy the essential items for their new baby. First Choice also ministers to women who have experienced emotional distress after choosing abortion. We have a confidential abortion recovery support group developed to help bring forgiveness, healing, and hope to those who suffer from the bondage of guilt and shame as a result of their past abortion decision in a safe, non-judgmental environment. Our newest program reaches out to the men who come in. Over three quarters of women who abort would have made a different decision if the father of the baby was involved. Trained male volunteers look forward to offering the opportunity to discuss ways that we might be able to assist and minister to them. Educated dads with the skills necessary to fulfill that role make an eternal impact as transformed men lead stronger families and create stronger communities. STD testing is another brand new program we offer. According to the CDC, half of new sexually transmitted diseases each year occur in 14 to 24 year olds. This is also half the demographic obtaining abortions. Offering testing and treatment for STDs allows us to communicate, we care about your health. It also helps us reach so many more. All services offered at First Choice are completely free. We receive zero government funding and are supported by generous individuals and churches just like you who have a heart for our ministry and our mission. If you know someone who can benefit from our services, please tell them about First Choice. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a part of this ministry, we'd love to meet with you. Thank you for walking with us together as we impact our community for life. So I'm going to ask you to pray about that, think about that. There's a box out there, too, if you want to get involved in that ministry. And um, pray with me. Father, 
we confess to you that sometimes, we, and we don't want to do this, but sometimes we're just sort of going through the motions on discipleship. That we don't know what we need to be doing, and we're afraid sometimes. We're afraid that we're going to disappoint you. We're afraid we're going to get it wrong. We're afraid that somebody's going to judge us. And Father, that keeps us distracted, and we know that that's all part of Satan's arsenal to keep us busy and occupied with a hundred other things that just don't matter. And I pray, Lord, that you would keep us focused, that we will hear the words of your Son, that we will hear the words of our Lord clearly that calls us to represent Him and to live the best life that you've called us to the, the great life, the abundant life that you've called us to. Not one filled with the world's measure of success, but one filled with the gospel happiness that Christ mentions when he preaches. Help us to know that you have invited and called us into this, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. End game is what this is all about. And over the next few weeks, I want us to continue to look at Luke's gospel. And I want us to hear Christ calling us to be disciples, not just passengers. I think sometimes we view the church as some sort of giant vessel that's making its way through the world. And what we're doing is we're all on the deck or, you know, in the aisles, and we're just kind of waiting for this great ship to park itself in heaven, and then we will have arrived at our destination. In the meanwhile, what we have to do is find ways to stay out of trouble, stay healthy, and not get, not get sick and, and be entertained. And so sometimes we come to church and... You know, you expect people like me to be the uh, flight attendant or the pilot and to make sure, you know, did you enjoy your snack a little while ago? Was it good? Was it what you needed? We're not serving a full meal on this voyage. Uh, We've got a a little snack for you. And so sometimes I I know that we feel like Southwest Airlines when we come to church. And I've been to assemblies where I feel like I've been at Southwest Airlines, and you always hear someone say, we know you have a lot of choices to make when it comes to Sunday morning. Thank you for choosing us. Jesus never said that. Jesus never said, thank you for choosing me. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's not being rude. He's not being arrogant. He's just giving us the reality of it. And he's telling his disciples, he's saying, listen, Something important is going on in this world. It's God's doing. It's the reason I'm here. And I want to call you people into the game. In game is, is often used with, uh, and by the way, this might be a new word. Uh, it might be a word that you've heard, but what exactly is an in game? An in game is the final stage of an extended process or course of events. That's what it means in general. Specifically, it's a word used in chess and some other, ga- and other games where it has to do with the closing strategy, the things you have to do to finish the game successfully. 
Other sports have their terminology for this. You know, your two-minute warning, your two-minute drills, whatever it is. But there's, you, you've got to know that if you goof up at the end of the game, you can lose it all. There's plenty of uh, sports fans, football sports fans who know this, that it's that last stage of the game that you don't want your team to get a little too arrogant or otherwise the other team will come back and beat you. Same thing can happen in chess. Well, Jesus wants us to know that the life that we live is an end game. And the way we need to live in this end game, in this period between His resurrection and His return, we need to be on. We need to be focused. We need to be alert and pay attention. Because, not not just because things are dangerous or not just because things can go bad, but because it matters. It matters. And it's important. Um, And here's the other thing, too, is I don't know that... I'm going to own some of this. I don't know that people like me have communicated this effectively. I don't know that looking back in my career in preaching, I don't know that I've communicated this as effectively as I, as I need to. I don't know. I'll let God determine that. But all I know is right now I've got the decision to make. Am I going to communicate this? And I just want you to, to, to hear this today because... Um, In reading through Luke's gospel, I see that Jesus is focused on what we do, not just in the hereafter, but in the here and now. Okay? He's got a plan. Here's what we've done with time, and I want you to imagine a timeline here that leads up to Jesus Christ. You've got the creation of the world, and sometimes we've spent a lot of time on the creation of the world and getting all that right and making sure that we've got all the facts straight on that. And it doesn't seem like we ever quite get out of Genesis. Um, here, I'm going to sum up Genesis for you, okay? God created the world. Um, he gave us a great opportunity to thrive in that world. We blew it, but now he's fixing it. There you go. Okay, now we can move on. So to, to, to fix all of that, he's moving things towards the revelation of His love in His Son, Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ comes into this world, we know that that has to do with the Gospel. And the Gospel cannot be reduced down to a few phrases. The Gospel is an event and it is a story. And it embodies everything that God is doing. So it involves the birth of Jesus. That's part of the Gospel. The words that Jesus preached, that's part of the Gospel. The fact that he made disciples, he called disciples to follow him. He's calling people out of the life in this world and calling them into life for God in this world. And then we know he was crucified, which would have seemed like the end. It would have seemed like the tragic end of a good thing that God was doing. But God redeems that crucifixion. God doesn't let that become the last word. And even though he is buried, he is in the tomb. God raises him from the dead. And like we said today in worship, that power that raised Jesus from the dead is still at work in this world. And it's in work in you and I. And that's the power and the fuel that we have for the end game. They didn't stop with the resurrection. You know, I've heard a lot of talk, and I guess it's because zombies are popular. People are like, Jesus is a zombie. You know, oh, Jesus is a zombie. Why is that? You know, because he's back from the dead. Well, 
No, it's more than that. It's far more than that. I mean, it's, uh, this isn't just reanimation of life. Jesus is raised into an, in a very different, unique existence. It is life more than the life that you and I have. He is alive more than you and I are. And that's the future. That's where this is going. And not only that, but when he's raised, God also exalts him and gives him authority. And we're saying a lot when we say things like he's king of kings and lord of lords. We're saying there's no other authority that compares. So God exalts him. And then Jesus returns. Now you might notice something here. That last word, that last point. That one hasn't happened yet, has it? So what we have is, in our gospel story, but see, that's the way the gospel story ends. It doesn't just end with him coming out of the tomb, happy ending, everybody goes on their way. It doesn't just end with him being exalted, isn't that great, he's king, now we know who we're really working for when we go out tomorrow to our jobs, to our schools. Here's the thing, folks, the gospel hasn't the gospel is set don't get me wrong the gospel is secure but the gospel is still waiting for the final note and the final note is when he returns and sums all of this up evil is finished everything that does not fit into god's will is gone that's the last note of the gospel to be sung and that hasn't happened yet and you and i live right in here this is our age we're still in it we're still in the game now there's no doubt about who's going to win the victory is secure but there's still a work of god going on and you and i are in this end game And Jesus gives us some sense of what that's about. If we look at Luke 12, you're going to see a few of the things that Jesus is going to say. Because in this timeline right here, we have an option. Since we are very aware of the gospel, and we're aware of his return, and I can preach it and we can sing it, we can sing about the return of Jesus, we can commemorate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus every Sunday after Sunday. But right here, you and I have a choice. We can either play at religion, or we can get serious about the end game. That's what Jesus is saying, even in Luke 12. I want to read from Luke 12. Uh, and I'm going, to, I'm going to come in and out of this reading. If you want to follow along with me, uh, that's fine too. I'm reading from the NIV. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees. That is, hypocrisy. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. He's saying, if you're going to play at church, If this is just going through the motions, that's going to be exposed. It's not going to pass. It's it's not. 
if, if you are a team that is on the field and you are not concerned about winning, but you just want to get through this game, let the clock run down, and not get injured and not make any commitment, chances are you're going to have a very hard time winning a lot of games. If you're not really there, you know how we say that about sports too? If our team doesn't make it, we say, well, I guess you know one team showed up to play, our team didn't. We understand that. Well, it's the same way with following Jesus. And this isn't to make anybody feel guilty, because here's the thing, I don't know anybody who, I've never met anyone who decides, you know what? This thing about following Jesus, I've got it figured out. I'm going to be a hypocrite. Yeah, a hypocrite. That sounds good. I don't, I've never met anyone who intends to be a hypocrite. Anybody who just decides that's what they want to be. You know, of all the options, it's like you can be one of the uh, deacons, you can be an elder, you can go help people, you can be a greeter, uh, you know, you can preach, you can serve the Lord's Supper, you can teach classes, uh, you can make the coffee, or you can be a hypocrite. You know, we don't, we don't put those on the survey forms, do we? You know, anybody raising their hand, I'll, I'll be the hypocrite, I like that. Yeah. No one wants to be the hypocrite, no one ever intends to be the hypocrite. I think it happens tragically because we get, we get distracted and we forget what it's really about to love God and to live the life that he gives us. I don't think any of these Pharisees woke up in the morning and said, you know, hypocrisy sounds like a really good way to please God. I think they were trying but they were majoring in minors. They were focusing on things that ultimately didn't matter. Or Jesus says they were doing a lot of good things and they were ignoring the weightier things that did matter. So he says, you need to be on your guard against that yeast of the Pharisees. Jesus is telling his disciples, you could end up just like them. You could catch the same virus that they've got. And the way we do that is we get really upset about a lot of things that just don't matter, but we think it's all church. Second thing he says is, don't be afraid of the persecution that's going to come to you if you get serious. If you get serious about serving me. The way he says it is this, I tell you friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I'll show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. i got to stop right there. This is not terror of God. This is respect. Uh, there is a healthy respect of God. That is necessary. And it doesn't mean that we have to be in terror of God. You know, if you go up to uh, northwest Arkansas and you go to a place called Turpentine Creek, you'll see all these uh, uh, wild animals, tigers and lions, and they're all just roaming around up there. Almost every one of them ends up in northwest Arkansas through the, through the same story. Somebody decides that it would be cute to have a baby snow leopard or a baby tiger. Oh, isn't that cute? Yeah, it's cute for a little while. Then the thing grows up to be about 600 pounds and it can rip your head off. It's no longer cute. They did not fear or respect what that beast is capable of. 
you and I are loved by God. We are loved by Him, and Jesus is about to say that. But at the same time, we need to know that He is God, and we are not. And that doesn't mean that He's just our buddy, our pal, our old friend. He is the power that gives life. He is the one who is working to eradicate all evil. He, has, he can do more than just threaten to kill. This is Jesus' point. Now look, right there in the same paragraph, he says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And you might be saying, I've never bought a sparrow. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. What is the going price on a sparrow? The point is, sparrows are cheap little birds. Yet, none of them is forgotten by God. In other words, God cares about them. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. This is an argument that says if God cares about all the creatures of this world, even the ones that seem sort of meaningless and unimportant, that just kind of we, we, we ignore, God cares about them. If He cares about them, He cares even more about us. Then He tells us to guard against greed. This is an important strategy in the end game. Because that's one of the ways that we can get distracted. Notice in uh, verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, now this is rich, i got to comment on this, because uh, here Jesus is teaching all about, um, uh, be, you know, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees, uh, God loves you more than sparrows, uh, that you are very important to him, uh, speak up for me and I'll speak up for you. Uh, You're going to be persecuted, but don't be afraid of those who can harm you. All they can do is harm you physically. God can preserve you spiritually. This is an inspiring, inspiring word. And somebody in the comments afterwards decides to say, Hey, teacher, why don't you tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me? That is the worst moment for a preacher-teacher. It's like you think you've just laid out something really important. And then somebody comes up with this off-the-wall tangent. Now, in our culture, we're taught to kind of go with that. And, uh, you know, we say something like, yeah, you know, inheritance is the kind of thing that concerns a lot of people in this day and age. I know exactly what you're talking about. But not Jesus, because this is the end game. He's concerned about the end game. And so when this guy says, hey, teacher, good stuff you're saying there. Tell my brother we need to split up the family farm. Okay? He's being selfish, my brother. Jesus says, Who appointed me a judge and an arbiter between you? (laughs) Jesus understands, and he's not even being rude. He's just saying, this is not my mission. And this is not your mission. Watch out, says Jesus. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. We say that so easily here. Can we live that and appreciate that every day? He tells them a parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundance of harvest. The rich man thought to himself, what am I going to do? I don't have any place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. 
and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many a years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who's going to get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. We ask Jesus to get involved in our own agendas. We ask Jesus to support us in our efforts. We treat Jesus as if he's the genie that's going to make us successful. If we do something good for him, then he's going to do something good for us. And all the while, Jesus is telling us, you need to be very careful about storing up treasure for yourself. That's not a legacy that you can leave to anybody. Instead, he tells us to stay focused on God's kingdom. And here he means the work that God is doing, the rule, that exaltation of Christ over all things. Because some of us aren't even trying to store up treasures and barns. We're just trying to make it one day to the next. Jesus says, I get that, but you don't need to worry about that because God's going to provide all of that for you. This is the other side of don't be afraid of those who can just kill your body. Be afraid of the one who created and made and can build up or destroy you, body and soul. Likewise, He's also the one who can provide for you, body and soul, and in every way. He's the one who will protect you and care for you and sustain you. So you don't worry about those things that keep you concerned and If you ever find where worry has helped you, please figure that out. Let's let's find out how to to make make something good out of that. Um, One of the things that we're going to be talking about next week when Hal Runkle is here is this. You cannot take responsibility for your children. That sounds odd. I'm going to let him explain what he means by that. But what it means is we often take responsibility for everything that leads to worry when really we have to take responsibility for ourselves in being parents to our children, in leading others, in being a responsible partner, in being a responsible friend. We're only going to get so far if we keep firing the coach if our team doesn't win. At some point, we have to take responsibility for our own game. Jesus says you do that by seeking the kingdom. Verse 32 of chapter 12. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If our heart is focused on Jesus, that's going to be the cure and the the vaccine that protects us from the virus of the Pharisees. Because we're not going to worry about all these other things that distract us. We're not going to be worrying about what other people think. We're not going to be worrying about so many other things that have to be micromanaged and managed. All of these different opportunities we've been talking about, Not every single one of them is something that we can control. But I'm just saying there are opportunities where God can send us out and we can do stuff. We don't have to control everything. We can just be a part of what God is doing in this world. And we don't have to worry about it when we do. 
And one of the best ways to get your, the treasure of your heart focused on Jesus is to get to know Him. As I've been reading these scriptures, one of the things that I've discovered is Jesus is not a dead founder who left a lot of wonderful sayings for me to figure out as I go. But He's a living Lord. And He comes to us through His Holy Spirit. And He wants to make Himself known to us and He wants to make God known to us. And so He creates a community of believers who can encourage one another in that way. So if there's... Like I said with these opportunities, I said... I'm not inviting you to do this. I'm not asking you to do this. I'm asking you to ask God. As we're singing this next song, I just want you to ask God if there's anything that you need to get right between you and Him. And He cares. He cares a lot about you. And if, if something is revealed to you and you're not sure what to do with it, you can come to any of us in this church family any of the ministers there'll be some of the shepherds here and out there but again you know i'm not telling you that it has to be done a certain way this is the end game the next thing that shows up is not uh jesus is going to teach and then he's going to be crucified but three days later that's all done the next thing that shows up is he returns game over and it's good for those who are ready to enjoy the victory. So, play the end game. Would you pray with me? Father, I ask that you would make it clear to us what it is that we need to do to respond to your love and what it is that we need to do to respond to your grace and mercy. Father, I pray that your heart and your spirit would be working on all who are here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.